Hello and welcome to Arts Talk Radio. I'm Michael Hasted. We bring you interviews as well as news and reviews relating to all aspects of the arts in Holland, concentrating on events in Amsterdam, The Hague, Rotterdam and everything in between or nearby. Arts Talk Radio Online. Interviews and features on the arts in English. A bit of an American theme for this programme. The Delft-based Erwin Byersbergen Trio this month launched the vinyl of their new album A Touch of Bill Evans, which is a tribute to the great American jazz pianist. And we'll be speaking to Erwin later in an extended interview and hearing a track from the album. A new and rather unique gallery has just opened in The Hague, run by an American. It's quite normal for galleries to specialise in one form of art or another, but I think the Acme Studios can claim to be the only gallery, certainly in Holland, that dedicates itself to all things to do with typewriters. I went along to meet the owner, Christopher Mullen, and I was interested to know why typewriters. Well, I I love typewriters, and I've restored them and sold them to collectors and users, writers around the world for the last seven years. And uh, I wanted to just share the beauty and joy of typewriters with more people than you can do just online. So what's the policy of the, of, of the gallery? Are you going to have exhibition of typewriters or art related to typewriters or what? Yes, it's always going to be a combination of uh, art and typewriters. And uh, I have a, a friend, a partner, who's a, going to be curating the art, and she's one of the most important uh, collective Cuban art uh, in Europe. And uh, so we're going to focus on non-Western art and typewriters at the same time. The beauty of the typewriters stands up to the beauty of anything that's uh, on the wall, any visual art that we will have. Abs absolutely. I mean, are there, um, are there typewriter nerds? Is nerd a word you use in America? You know what I mean? <laughs> People who are obsessed by them, by yes. the most obscure typewriters. I, I cannot tell you the number of people who buy one typewriter from me and then come back and buy a second and a third and a fourth. It's something, there's something addictive about collecting typewriters. And I was speaking to a journalist just yesterday, and uh, the thing is that somehow people get an emotional attachment to typewriters, either to the sound of their parents' typewriters as they were growing up, or in uh, remembrance of writing their thesis at university, or love letters, or whatever. There's a, an attachment that we have to this mechanical device that goes beyond our attachment to cars or to our computers or to other things. Because like I think it's the combination of being a really nice mechanical object, so you can appreciate the mechanics, but right. also inspirational, that you could write your great novel on one. Yeah, that's a very good point. Is As you sit at that typewriter, I imagine that most writers can uh, push their minds ahead to the idea of these finished pages, hundreds and hundreds of I think of possibly them. most of them will be staring at a blank page. <laughs> yes, for a long time probably, but that's another thing. That's another issue. What are the most uh, interesting or obscure typewriters? Are they English, American, European? Uh, well, I try not to deal with obscure ones. I mean, there's these odd companies that made one model of typewriter for a few years, but they're not so interesting to me. The, the Germans and the Swiss, without 
any question made the best typewriters forever. And uh, that's, I specialized in typewriters in the 1930s until the beginning of the electrical age, around 1970. And those are the typewriters that people want to use now. They're beautiful, they're utilitarian, uh, but the thing about it is that they were designed so amazingly to facilitate your writing, to facilitate the production of, uh, of words on the paper. And once you sit down on a good quality typewriter, you'll be amazed at how, how, what a joy it is to write. And you don't have to plug it in, you don't have to get online. No, exactly. There's a, a segment of uh, the market for these typewriters now, which is uh, young people, even in their 20s and 30s, who want to get off screen off of the electronic, the, the tyranny of electronic devices. And then there's another segment of the market, which is maybe the 40s and 50s year olds who remember using typewriters just barely, and uh, also a lot of them want to get off of their screens. And then there's another segment of the market which just thinks they're beautiful industrial design and will buy hundreds of them. I have collectors in America who have three or four hundred typewriters. Because you can actually buy computer keyboards now, which which simulates uh, the old mechanical yeah. typewriter thing. Yeah, with the same click and the same feel and the whole thing. But in my mind, uh, I, I find that, well, I mean, I guess it's nice. <laughs> I, I shouldn't say anything wrong about it. But it, th th there's the thing about the typewriter, which everyone responds to, is that when you sit down in front of the typewriter and write something, you lift the paper out at the end of it and you have something on your computer or your iPad or your telephone. You can write whatever you want and you have nothing. It's very tactile. Um, can you still buy ribbons and Tipex? <laughs> Tipex, I, I, I think you can on eBay, but uh, ribbons also on eBay and Etsy and through me. I mean, it, ribbons are uh, amazingly easy to get. Oh. Okay, well, thanks very much for that. That's uh, Christopher Mullen in the Acme Gallery in The Hague, which is a gallery specialising in typewriters. Thank you. Welcome. That was Christopher Mullen in The Hague. I said gallery, but it is in fact the Acme Studios, and that's in Friedrichstraat. Folks, if you're looking for a great, great publication, Arts Talk magazine. They talk about the arts, and it is so great, bigly. It's the only news that is not fake. I'm with Erwin Byersbergen. And you've got a new album, what's it called? Called A Touch of Bill Evans. And you've been working on this for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. How long? Uh, I started uh, six years ago um, in our um, first, how do you call it, atelier? Studio. Studio, so you can translate when I don't know. <laughs> and uh, I, tr I uh, tried to play Bill Evans' pieces with my trio then, the, from that days. Uh, now, now it's a complete different uh, trio. But in these days we tried and uh, I thought so, it's quite interesting, but it's very difficult and uh, 
but it's it's challenge it's a challenge and i think the challenge is is that maybe not everybody knows that bill evans was a pianist and you're a guitarist so yeah. what you've actually done is transposed all these pieces from piano to guitar that must be challenging what i did was uh at, uh, at first what what notes does he play what chords and I know it by heart, more by heart than by uh, uh, than by thinking, because I listened for about uh, 30 years to Bill Evans, and it's a kind of uh, language I learned. And uh, oh yeah, now he's doing this. And, oh yeah, yeah, now he's doing that. And oh, that's nice. I I want to. But that that it's a process from years. What marks of Bill Evans are something special uh, for for the the ones who doesn't who doesn't know uh, Bill Evans? Um, he wrote the song "Waltz for Debbie," you know. Um, um, you know that song, and this is you can call it. In jazz, I don't know if there are hits in jazz, but we can call it a kind of hit from him. That's his famous song. But uh, the most famous position um, when he um, w was known, that was in 57, 58, when he plays with uh, Miles Davis. What made you so, so attracted to him? The first time I heard him, I, I knew uh, jazz is an improvising thing. It's it's very important, and uh, for me, it's it's uh, what jazz is: improvisation, freedom. But then I heard him for the first time, and I thought, "What? Wow! What are these guys doing? This kind of jazz is was a real art. It's." real art personalities who, who complete each other so how did you go about um, transposing a piano trio to a guitar trio uh, maybe when I found out that it was too late to switch to piano <laughs> I, th <laughs> I thought no maybe this okay okay guitar that's my destiny I guess and uh, um, I, I like normally you play, for example, um, uh, these are real guitar chords. Uh, but Bill Evans can do something like, uh, and then. Uh, It can go anything. And then here's there. So instead of. You play. So it plays more. Yeah. But there are many more notes on a piano than on a guitar. <laughs> And, and, and that's why he play more notes. <laughs> so many, he plays so many notes. And uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I found out that uh, piano has eight and a half octave, I guess, almost. Eighty-eight keys. Keys. <laughs> Eighty-eight keys. 
And the uh, guitar has only this one, two, three, and then, and then four, but you, it's three and three and some more, 3.7 octaves, so half the, the reach, the, um, uh, they call it in music, uh, a bit ambitious. Mm. And ambitious, half the the, the the piano can go much higher and much lower, so it's yeah. So it's 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 uh, it's a thing. So I've I have to, had to make choices. So when I want to play this note, and I know. Oh. Yeah, so it's, it's not it's not there, but I want to have that note. So I want. Then I have to look. I play a kind of they call it flageolet, yeah. and it's uh, uh, upper structure. Uh, it's uh, uh, they call it uh, natural of artificial harmonic. Yeah, artificial. Mm. So you can. When you su uh, look for it, but when then you are in the studio and you have to play and 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 there's one song song I had to play this note, <laughs> and I told my brother my brother recorded uh, the thing it has a professional uh, studio it's not a home studio it's a real professional studio I was there I say when I don't catch that note we take another track and I only do this note until I have it and then we record it and then we put it later on. I had a friend, an actor, and he, he was in a musical, and he had to sing this song, and he couldn't reach the high notes, so he had somebody standing in the wings. So when he got to that note, this guy he was singing it in the in the wings, and hopefully nobody noticed. Yeah. So when you have the the the, the the right expression on your face, it's just like. Exactly. But when that guy is f forgot to sing, yeah, you have a problem. But but uh, yeah, it was a wonder uh, that uh, I, when I practiced at that note, uh, I, I, I missed it a lot. Uh, but in the studio, I played it once. Uh, that was by accident. So some some uh, genius things are uh, by accident. Yeah. <laughs> no, this. Guitar you're playing, I think, is not any old guitar, is it? I think there's a story behind it. It's an old Gibson, is it? Yeah, it's a it's a Gibson Super Super 400, 400. And I think it's the biggest guitar I've ever seen. Yeah, it's almost. Uh, I guess it's 19 inch, and then then that's that's what they. So from the at, at the widest point, the widest point is what they, when I play on this guitar, and I'm I'm not very small, but my arm is, in fact, it's too high. When I play for six hours on this guitar, I get uh, uh, it, it hurts. <laughs> so how, how how old is this guitar? This guitar is from '74, and it's uh, what I read in the. Uh, stories about this guitar. It, uh, my teacher from the conservatory, Klaus Flenter, um, I thought, I think he got it for his birthday from his wife. And when they were in America, 
in the States. And uh, so it's bought in the States. And it's made in Kalamazoo. And that's uh, one of the last years uh, that uh, this guitar were made in, in Kalamazoo. Uh, after that, they uh, went up to Nashville. I, I got Nashville and it's 800 kilo kilometers uh, from Kalamazoo. But uh, th this is a very unique object because uh, the blonde ver version that's, they called it blonde because it's uh, it it was ever it was like a blonde, but now it got more and more brown. <laughs> Most people go grey, but the guitars go brown. <laughs> yeah, but uh, in that year '74, and uh, there are only three worldwide. Okay, let's talk a little bit um, more about the record to finish with. Now, the record is called Touch of Bill Evans, and it is released when. The street for the streaming, uh, it's released uh, 15 September last year, so it's it's already uh, a year. But we're not talking about the there's a vinyl and a CD. Now we have no CD that I didn't yet. But on the on the record, who are the other two musicians? Yeah, I'm very very lucky. I play with uh, top musicians. I have uh, Rene Winter on uh, drums. And it's a, it's a real professional, uh, and, and uh, yeah, it's a very good player. And on the bass, Harry Emery. And uh, Harry Emery, uh, yeah, I like him, I like him, and is playing a lot because I know him very long as as, as a player. Yeah. Okay, well, that's uh, Touch of Bill Evans, which is a, an album which is going to be released on vinyl in the middle of September on the trio Byersbergen. Owen Byersbergen, thanks it's very much indeed. Uh, oh, uh, something more to say. Yeah. It's Erwin Byersbergen Trio. What did I say? Trio Byersbergen. Oh, oh, I see, I got it right, wrong way around. Okay. Uh, yeah, but Trio Byersbergen uh, wasn't found very uh, accurate. Uh, people didn't find it on the streaming games. I don't know why. I don't really don't know why. But when I called it Erwin Byersbergen Trio, <laughs> then because everybody look, look on Erwin Byersbergen, and yeah, then they find The it. Dutch do not pronounce the N, the letter N, on the end of a word. Oh, we don't think it's necessary <laughs> <laughs> because we want to have Bayersberg. Yeah, no, no, but but it's it's also a thing. I am very lazy speaker. I yeah, but every, everybody does it. I mean, they talk about the Prinzenhof instead of the Prinzenhof. Anyway, we've rather gone off the point here. Owen Bayersbergen. Yeah. <laughs> why, why do you English people say always Bergen and not Bergen? Oh, in Bars Bergen. Trio. Yeah, trio, yeah. Touch yeah. Bill Evans, uh, yeah. 15th of September. Do you want to say something? Uh, my wife is coming in. That sometimes happens. So now my wife is standing there and she looks... Uh, or the potatoes are finished, <laughs> or she wants to tell something. Yes, I do. I I just wanted to say at the presentation I'm going to sing a song and uh, it's a, a song in 1963 by Modinka Zetterlunde and she was a Swedish uh, singer 
and she sang a poem written by Beppe Wolgers and she sang it on the melody of Waltz for Debbie. So I'm going to do it in Swedish. Well, it sounds like an evening that's going to be worth well, going to. Yeah, and 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 you and you need to know. Can, can you, Jackie? Can you say who who did the poem poet? That's that's a famous father. Oh, that's it's it's a nice the story. One, yes, the one who wrote the poem was called Beppe Wolgers, and he used to play the father of Pippi Longstocking. Pippi Longstocking. Hmm. You know? No. <laughs> Don't you know? Well, maybe, maybe that will be something. The, the audience will do. Pippi Longcows. Okay. It's like, uh, yeah. I think we'll leave it there. But that's not on the album. (laughs) (laughs) Because (laughs) this is not on the album, so... No, I think that never made it to England. (laughs) (laughs) No, they didn't. I was talking to Erwin Byersbergen and Jackie Saint-Louis in their studio in Delft about the vinyl release of the Erwin Byersbergen trios A Touch of Bill Evans. And what better way to play us out than with a track from the album? This is called Time Remembered. So, until the next time, it's goodbye. I'm Michael Hasted. Bye.